0: Hello and welcome to Sunday Night Conversations. I'm your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. Tonight's show brought to us by D1Baseball.com. I want to say thanks to our our presenting sponsor, that is Netting Pros. Netting Pros specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting and padding for college baseball programs all around the country. Next time your field or facility needs something new, whether that's netting, wall padding, L-screens, or ball carts, make sure you check out our friends at Netting Pros. We say it every single week. These guys are incredible people. They go to the convention, they love college baseball, and they've got just incredible products. So thank you to Netting Pros. and want to encourage everyone to support them. Uh, another episode of Sunday Night Conversations, these are just college baseball conversations. This year's been really fun. We're, we're kind of whipping around, doing all kinds of different themes. Um, you know, Traditionally, this show, we've talked to a lot of assistant coaches. This year, we've mixed in some head coaches. We had very uh, very New Jersey-ish last week with Barry Davis of Ryder, the good doctor, and John Yurkow of uh, Penn. That was super fun. So tonight, my guests, you see Matt Hobbs of Arkansas, Chuck Gerallum of Florida. So here's the deal, fellas. I, I thought you guys would be really fun to have on the show for many reasons. Uh, one is because you guys were co-champs of the SEC last year, which was super awesome. Um, and obviously, you guys have been around the league. Chuck, you played in the league, and now you're coaching the league. You know, Matt, you've been in the league. Um, and, and obviously you guys are two of the more high profile programs in the country. So really excited for this. So let's do, let's just jump in. So what I Matt, uh, coach Hobbs, you're starting us. What I'd like you to do is just kind of like bullet point your resume for us. So like, where'd you grow up? Where'd you play in uh, college? Where you, give us your coaching stops.
3: So I played in, I grew up in Southern California. So I've been on the, I was on the West coast pretty much my whole life until I went to play college baseball. I played at the university of Missouri And then from there, I went back to Southern California and coached. My first coaching job was Chapman University in Orange County. I was a division three coach uh, for one year. And then I coached for the Santa Barbara Foresters in the college summer league that summer. And then I got the pitching coach job at uh, Santa Barbara city college. Next, I was there for three years. And then I went to UC San Diego. So then I was at the division two level and I coached there for three years, I think three or four. And then my first division one job was the university of San Francisco. I was there for a year, 10 months. And then the university, I got back to the university of Missouri. I was there for four years, four years with coach Jamison. Mm-hmm. And then I went to wake forest with, uh, with coach Walter yeah, I was there for four years, I believe. And then this is year six with, uh, with the Razorbacks here and Coach Van Horn. Mm, that's
0: awesome. Hey, so tell me about going from SoCal to Mizzou. There, was Coach Jay and that staff recruiting a bunch of California kids at the time? Or, and what assistant kind of pulled that off? How would you get from SoCal
3: to Mizzou? Chow Fanning was the pitching coach who's from so- – Yeah Fanning, yes. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure you know him. Um, but he was there, and he was from San Luis Obispo originally – And he was out scouting a high school all-star game. And I was uncommitted at the time after my senior year of of high school. So like kids out there, it can still happen. You can still play division one baseball if you're not committed really early. And I committed like a month later to Missouri. So I was, I was uncommitted until the middle of the, like in the the summer of going into my freshman year of college. Um, But he saw me pitch just kind of randomly, and I ended up going. I went on a visit, and I didn't know anything about Missouri other than it was in the Big 12. I kind of knew what the Big 12 was at that time in my life, and I thought that that was, like, the best thing in the world to get to go play, like, big-time college baseball. So that's how I, I ended up there, just kind of by accident.
0: Mm, that's a, and,
3: and so you're teammates with Tony Vitella at, at, yeah. at Missouri? For, so yeah, for one year, two years – Uh, Three, actually. Tony came in. Yeah, we were there for a long time together. So he came in. He was like, he had a long journey to Missouri, too. Like, I think he had been at a couple different spots and then ended up with us after during my sophomore year. So my sophomore, my junior and my senior year, we were there together. And then he stayed to coach. We kind of I think we all kind of all knew he was going to be a coach. His dad is a big time coach and was a big time coach in St. Louis. And we kind of all knew he was going to end up getting into coaching. And yeah, he was, he's like the best teammate of all time. Um, Like what you see on the field now with like how fire and intense he is, that's how he was as a player. And he was like the greatest teammate ever. It was, it was awesome getting to coach, getting to play with him. Um, And obviously now getting to this, you know, you're in the same kind of coaching fraternity, even though, you know, he's head coach, I'm an assistant, but, you know, the guy's awesome. Oh, awesome. His,
0: his gif. Uh, I have his GIF saved on my phone. It's a, it's a it's a favorite go to when he's coming out of the dugout with the shades. It's like on the twenty to eighty scale. It's like a hundred cool. It is you know. And <laughs> he for is college, yes. It's he's so the great. cool. He's
3: the coolest guy in college
0: baseball. Right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's Effortless. The best. Yeah. He's like the Mike Trout of college baseball. Coach. The
3: club. best. What yeah.
0: a what a good dude. Yes. Hey, how about so, uh, Coach Hobbs? Your last year at Wake Forest was that the game three super regional in Gainesville. Um And then your next year was in, was in Fayetteville?
3: I was there one year after that. So we, we played the Super Regional in 17, and then I was there in 18. And then my first in November of – yeah, the next – November of the next year is when I – I think Wes took the Twins job in, like, late October, and then I came in after um, – you know, after fall ball was over and everything in November, so I was there. I was there one more season after the 2017 Super Regional at Florida, which was an absolute battle.
0: Yeah, like like it was wasn't it a one run game in Game Three of the Super Regional, something along those lines?
3: Yeah, we uh, they beat us like one nothing in Game One. We walked them off in Game Two. Ben Brazil, who coached with us at Wait or was with us at uh, Arkansas actually for a year, hit a walk off home run against. I think it was Byrne, maybe, maybe Michael Byrne, he hit it off him, I think, Um, and then they beat us, like, three to two, or four to two, or something, we got, uh, we got Alex Fieto out of the bullpen that day, oh, wow, you're not, you're not winning that game, (laughs) he's (laughs) coming out of the pen, you're not winning, yeah, it's an unfortunate circumstance, he was, he was throwing, and, like, it's the last two innings of the game, and he had, like at that time you could still get drafted while the stuff was going on. So it's like they announcing they're announcing him as like the seventh I think it was the seventeenth pick or something. Right. They're announcing him he's walking out for the last inning and I'm just like, How is this gonna end well for us? Um and I it went back and wa- finally like month this is like months later, I finally allowed myself to go back and watch because I was like frustrated because we couldn't hit him. And then I was watching the game and I was like, Okay, those are like ninety-seven mile an hour wiffle balls. Like nobody's hitting that. Oh. So he was he was I mean, we got like some rain. It was rain. It was weird. Um, but it was like a, that that team was lo- that's the team that won it. I think that team was loaded.
0: Yep. Uh But uh, I, Chuck, I'm going to come to you in a second. Uh, coach Hobbs, you need to be keeping a journal because and, and even a backdated journal, because I think about like you coach for Santa Barbara Foresters, which is like the summer, you know, like the New England Patriots of summer baseball. <laughs> And then, you know, you coach at UCSD, who went right on. The, they were getting ready to win a Division II national title. Um, yeah. You know, your Wake Forest experience is, is super fascinating. You're a player at Missouri right before Coach Jay is about to take them to seven straight regionals. And, you know, guys yeah. like Kinsler and Max Scherzer are going to show up. Um, you know, you've had the most drafted players over the last five years at Arkansas. And no no one has had more. Let me clarify that. No program has had more pitchers drafted than Arkansas during your time there, which is, you know, just super cool. So, again, uh, don't don't. Yeah, that's your homework is you need to start keeping a journal.
3: Uh, super <laughs> I've been cool. very lucky in the places I've landed.
0: So it's great. Yeah, I wrote down some of the people that you've been around and it's just comical you know obviously you know both of you guys like that was another thing that was really cool when i was getting ready for this is you know the two active leaders in omaha trips for head coaches are your two bosses right like dave van horn has taken a team to omaha nine times and and sully's taken a team to omaha eight times which would be normal if you were 150 years old but neither of those guys are 150 years old so on that note coach raleman take it yeah same thing kind of bullet point us uh through your, your your baseball life
1: yeah, I was born in New York, suffered in New bad. York. We ended up moving down to West Palm Beach. My dad was a cop. So we relocated. He was a cop in Delray. Went to Wellington High School. Played in an unbelievable high school program for a legendary coach. It was Scott Benedict. Um, then moved on to Auburn University. Played in the league for three years. And, and then signed with the Red Sox. Played seven years of professional baseball total. And then stopped playing to start coaching. Right. Like my uh, we had our first child and I mean, I felt like I was my window to the big leagues was probably like this big. If it wasn't gone already, I got to the point where I felt like I was kind of playing for myself. And, you know, it was time to move on and, and do the right thing for my family. So I uh, my all the all the guys I had in college baseball were gone at that point in time. Right. Like Coach Renfro, he was my the coach I played for at Auburn. He was now AD at a high school in Birmingham. Right, And then I reached out to Chris Finwood, who is our assistant. He's honestly the reason why I started coaching was because my time with him at Auburn, he had such an impact on me. So went with, hit up Finney. He didn't have anything available. Hit up some other guys. And ultimately, it was kind of like striking out. And I was finishing up my degree at the same time, kind of knocking it out online. And just started reaching out to the other coaches in the league that, that I played against. And I, it's crazy, but Corbs is the reason why I got my first job. Wow. Right. So I emailed him and a bunch of other guys and he said, I don't have anything available, but I think Schloss might have something coming available and it ended up working out to where I start off in Fort Worth, Texas, which had never really been anywhere by there <laughs> at all with uh with a wife who had to find a job and, and a new baby and no help at all and not making a ton of money coaching catchers, which I didn't have a whole lot of information on. Right. So I was calling my brother who who caught, for, for a while and I'm getting to the big leagues for, for a, I think it was six weeks, the blue Jays. And then that, that position kind of grew for, for two years and learned a lot from Schloss and Tony and Lowe's and Maisie and all those guys out there. Then coached at Jacksonville university, you know, as a recruiting coordinator there for four years, worked for Tim Montez. And then that transitioned to Chris Hayes, really good people, man. And got back to Florida and then moved to South Florida and worked with Billy Mole for two years until ultimately end up here at Florida.
0: Tim Montez, that's a name I didn't even think I was going to come up tonight. Love Coach Montez. He's out in Arizona now. Awesome. All right, so two follow-up questions for you, Chuck. Um, who were, the who were like, the big-time players in the SEC? Because you, your SEC years were, like, 2002 to 2004. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So you just missed Chris Burke. Who, was, who, were, who were, like, the dudes in the league besides well, yourself? Well, I'll never
1: forget the first SEC at-bats I had were against Joe Bland. Right. So I, uh, is at home against Kentucky oh. and coach Renfro love him to death. He made me take a strike. Like I was a freshman hit down in the lineup. I definitely wasn't ready for it. Um, took a heater down the middle, got a hammer for a called strike, chase a break ball dirt, three pitches, smell you next at bat. I, he probably was going to give me the take sign. So I didn't really look. <laughs> ended up getting a fastball early and, and was able to catch a barrel. Um, but that was the introduction to SEC play, man, was Joe Bland. So I'll never forget that one.
0: Oh, man. How about position players? Who were prominent position players in the league at that time?
1: I mean, Laporta had a really good year with my brother. Oh, that's right. Right? He had he had a really good year. Um, gosh, man. I mean, Drew Meyer had a really good year at South Carolina. The shortstop played really well. Oh, I mean, no his kind of coming out party. was against us his freshman year. We didn't really know who he was up to that point, but. Ole Miss had Steven Head, you know, the two-way guy who's had huge power. I think he's a scout now. But
0: Ole Miss I'll was never really good then.
1: Uh Mahalem and Papelbon. Mahalum was starting on Friday and Papelbon was coming out of the pen and closing at Mississippi State. And every time we went to Mississippi State back then, it was Super Bulldog weekend. So look at 12, 14,000. I mean, how many they could pack into the old stadium back then.
0: Gosh, that's crazy. And that and that's that's an SEC that existed without Vandy really being a factor. Like, Corbs was literally just kicking it off there.
1: Yeah, um, they became but, a factor a little bit that first year. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they went from just having sours and they, they would kind of win that game, or you'd definitely fight them through that game to – I mean, they were kind of fighting the whole way through every single weekend then.
0: So. Yep. Oh, that's so good. Um, and then, okay, so you you did it really quickly. Here's my other follow-up question. I want you to repeat that 2012-2013 TCU coaching staff because that's also an all-star cast.
1: Yeah, for sure. So Jim Nagels, our head coach. My first – the first two assistants were Tony V and Randy Mazey, right? And Mazey was doing everything on the field. It was unbelievable, man. And then uh, Maze took the head job at West Virginia – And then Sarlos ended up coming in to be the pitching coach then. So then Elander was our catcher. He was actually the first player I think I coached in college because that was the the only position I coached right away. So great. Well,
0: as we said before we hit record, Tony Vitello is the Kevin Bacon of this podcast tonight. He is the Kevin Bacon of this episode. So, all right. So I think we're going to be very SEC centric tonight, which is, you know, I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, Cause that, you know, the SEC really is the center of the universe in college baseball. So, and, and Chuck, you could take this as a player or you could take this as a coach and and coach Hobbs, you, you obviously are going to do this. Well, no, you could do it. You know, you play in the big 12, so you have to do this as a coach. So yes. so what I want you to do is your first like big road trip in the SEC. And, and what I'm going for is like the crowds are one of the things that make the SEC so spectacular so what's what's maybe the first road trip or your first memorable road trip where you're like okay this is this is something unique go ahead coach Hobbs
3: um I think I'll do it about our own fans like the oh, first time I, I knew that I was like this is a little bit different than I was expecting we played our it was, I think it was like our second weekend maybe my first year coaching in 19 we went to USC to go play a weekend series in Southern California And you show up to the games and there's like a few, there's some, there's some Arkansas people there. Uh, But, you know, you, you, I assume there'd just be like a ton of USC people and it'd be, you know, you know, a, a hostile road environment. And I looked up in the stands in the bottom of the first top or bottom of the first. I don't really remember. They're calling the hogs and there's like no USC fans and the whole thing's Arkansas. Oh my gosh. I was like, this is like way different than what i was expecting to get I, I figured i knew we had big crowds at home but we're on the road in southern california and it's like three to one arkansas fans and there was and there was a decent amount of usc fans too but it was like you looked up and it was just arkansas everywhere and that was like the first time i remember sitting there like okay like this is for real this is a ser- this is very
0: serious here that's awesome what what's the loudest you ever heard bomb walker like for me i just now i don't know if loud because i'm watching it on tv but like some of the bigger games when kevin cops came in like it like bomb walker felt like a cathedral it felt like uh like a not a place on earth but what's the loudest you've ever heard it
3: uh two different times one was so in the 21 season this is the COVID like the The attendance was weird because of the COVID stuff. And the first time we had full attendance was against Florida the last weekend of the season. And Casey Opitz hit a ball into the gap that split their outfield and ended up on third base. And it was like, if we hit a sack fly here, we're going to win the SEC. And the place was like, it was like deafeningly loud. That was the the loudest I'd ever heard it. Um, And then Charlie Welch, pinch hit against Nebraska in the regional the same year. And we had Kevin in the game. So, I mean, it's a, they're not scoring. The game's over if we can just, you know, get three more outs. And Charlie comes up and hits a three-run home run, I think. Three-run homer that just put the absolute, like, nail in the coffin. And that place is – it was, like, deafening. It it was, like, the water in the cup of water I had was, like, shaking. <laughs> Oh, that's so great. Charlie Welch.
0: I I want to give Cooper Fouts a shout out right now. Who's at La Tech and uh, uh, coach Fouts said he was at Pepperdine when Charlie Welch was a freshman. And I remember calling him in the fall. He's like, I love Charlie Welch. I think he's going to be a great player. And then he was super anonymous for a couple of years. And then obviously not anonymous for the hogs. He was a great role player for you guys. It seemed.
3: He's a really good story, man. It was like, I think Nate called him and he's like, he's on his way to go to a junior college. And we were, we had just lost two catchers because this is like the first, maybe the first year of the transfer portal. And we grabbed two catchers because we thought Opitz was going to sign. And then he came back and both guys signed on us. (laughs) Both of the catchers signed. So we have Casey Opitz and a a guy that was graduating early to come in. So we're like thin at the position. And he's like, what do you think? Should we just, you know, Charlie Welch is a guy that we had recruited a little bit out of high school. Mm-hmm. He's like, what do you think? And I was just like, I don't know. i never seen the guy play. I have no idea. Um, and he's like, I think he can hit. He's Like, all right, let's just take him. So we get Charlie to come. And all of a sudden, you know, you're ha- we're halfway through fall ball and coach Van Horn's like, I think this guy can really hit left handed pitching. This guy could be a role player off the bench. And then by the time we got to the, you know, end of the season, he's like the greatest pinch hitter in the history of college baseball. Oh, so great.
0: Chuck, same question. Like this could be as, like we said, player or coach, your, your two experiences, but like a road trip, a memorable road trip where the environment, the SEC environment really struck you.
1: That Arkansas weekend, for sure. I mean, because up to that point, my time coaching at Florida, we didn't play an SEC game the year before because of shutdown. Mm -hmm. And then everywhere else that we went on the road up to that point was like, a couple hundred, a couple thousand fans. So that was the first time, even in our own yard, we couldn't jam the place out, right? So, and then all of a sudden they brought cops in the pen and we still use the at-bat that Sterling had against him as an example of when you need to slow the game down. Because it was three pitches, it was like 37 seconds and he was walking back to the dugout with his bat, right? But that was the first time our guys had experienced it like that too. Um, and then as a player was LSU, I remember being under a pop-up on Friday night and, and they were good. That's you know, so when Smoke was, was there. It was early on in his time there. And Tug Hewlett was our second baseman. He's from Shreveport, right? So it was, a, it was a pretty important series for him, for sure. And we had a good team. We had a really good team at Auburn at that point in time. I remember being under the pop-up and they were chanting, Go Tigers, the old box. And the whole stadium was shaking. So... That was different, for sure, in that Arkansas weekend as a coach, just because we hadn't experienced anything like that for for the two years. That was the first true road environment that we had. Yep. And
0: LSU, you were saying that was old box or new box?
1: The old box,
0: yeah. Remember the old box? Like, if somebody went behind – if there was a pass ball and you went – the field was so crowned, if you – a catcher went behind home plate to – to go get a fastball, they disappeared. It was it, like you couldn't, unless they were six foot 12, you couldn't. It was crazy. Hey, well, how about Chuck last year, Super Regional? Again, I'm watching on TV and just trying to feel the vibe. Was that the loudest you've ever heard it in Gainesville?
1: Absolutely. No doubt. I, I think the rain delay actually was a positive. You know, we, we had a little bit of a rain delay each time and it, it allowed kind of all the fans to show up and, and have some fun before the games actually got started. So it was probably the rowdiest our, our crowds have been at any point in time here at Florida up to that point, but it was, it was jammed up. It was really good. And and the guys played good for sure. That's awesome.
0: All right. So let's, so another thing that makes the SEC super, you know, special is Hoover. And um, I've only been once um that you know like they always send the a crew to hoover you know like that's berkey kp big ben so i gotta and i i'm happy i love going to some of the other tournaments but hoover i got to go to once and it was just unbelievable i've told anyone that will listen to me that if you're a baseball fan hoover needs to be on your baseball bucket list and i was there on a tuesday night and you know it's mississippi state playing lsu and there's like thirteen thousand people there you're like it's Tuesday. <laughs> what are we doing? Everyone has work tomorrow. Um, but no one's going. Uh, so, so coach Hobbs, uh, uh, like a, a, a memory from Hoover or observation from coaching and Hoover.
3: Uh, I think Hoover's like the coolest week. It's really cool when you kind of know what you're going to do the next week. Like that's yes. when it's really cool, better. Cool. But I'll give you a, like a good one. My first, yeah. First year in the sec was Missouri actually as a coach. Because we had transitioned from the Big 12 to the SEC. And we go play Mississippi State in the first round of the tournament. I think this might have been the year they went to the final week, final series against UCLA, maybe? 2013, yeah. I, I think so. I think that's what it was. And this is when I knew, like, your SEC baseball just a little bit different than what I was expecting to get into. And I came in from Missouri and from the Big 12. And nothing, nothing against Big 12. Big 12's great but we go in and play and we have to win because we barely got into the tournament. Uh, if we don't win, our season's over. And so we throw uh, Rob Zestrisney starts the game and he ends up being like a second rounder pitching the big leagues. He's still pitching in the big leagues. Um, he throws like eight innings. And then we bring in Keaton Steele who was our, our like closer kind of like Swiss army knife guy. And he goes like six innings. So we're in extra innings, deep in extra innings. And then we bring in our closer. So we use three pitchers. It's like a two to one game. They used like 13 guys. And every one, I think like seven of them pitched in the big leagues. <laughs> it was like a Swiss arm. It was like, and Butch was the pitching coach there at the time. And he does such a great job. It's like every, it was like facing an octopus. It's like every single guy threw from like a different arm slot or like they threw 98 or something. And we used three, they used like 12. I don't even know how many it was, but it seemed like a different guy every inning, and they were all really good. Uh, that was that's like my first Hoover memory, where I was like, "We have got to get better <laughs> quickly."
0: Oh gosh, yeah, and, and they were on their way to the finals of the. Yeah, they were really year. they were
3: loaded. I mean, they were really they're good every year, but they were really yeah. really good that year. And I just remember sitting there on the way back home on the bus, like, "God, man, we got a long way to go."
0: Yeah, Frazier. Uh, I I always want to call him Todd Frazier. It's not Todd Frazier, but. Um, the Frazier, he's still in the big leagues. And yeah. Wes Ray was on that team. And I can't think of the big closer. He had big hair. He looked like Duck Dynasty. Holder. But Holder, Jonathan Holder, goodness. I think
3: Renfro right. was on that team too.
0: That's right. He absolutely was. Holy heck. Oh, man. Uh, Chuck, how about you as a player or a coach or both? Hoover.
1: As a coach, I think it was the championship we played against Tennessee. They were really good. Right? The flyover before the game is is way different. You know, but the environment the whole week is – it's really cool. You know, there's players hanging out, watching other teams, you know, hanging out in the hotels. You see everybody in the league, I swear, in the lobby of the Winfrey, right? And guys going lift with other guys. It's really cool, man. It's a really cool environment. But the flyover before the Tennessee game was way different. That's when we threw Carson Finvold, who had had logged probably like five or six innings the entire year up to that point. And we just tried to trick him to death, you know, because – Tennessee that that year was rolling, you know, they won the league in the regular season. They ran through the tourney. It was a really good club. And uh we just tried to Bugs Bunny changed them to death with uh with Finney. And that ended up setting up our regional run that we ended up losing. But Finney came out of the pen and threw nine complete innings against uh against Oklahoma to put us to the final game. But Real change of his dad pitching to big leagues, Gar Carson's dad did, but mm-hmm. that was it was different, man, for sure.
0: That's so good. I, I, the one trip I got to make to Hoover, I remember checking into the whatever the ESPN hotel was is that resort that's right there. It's, I mean, you know, it's the nicest hotel you've ever <laughs> stayed at. And then you walk in the front, these big front, you know, doors that are, you know, made for impact. And as you walk into the, the lobby, the foyer, there's a hologram of the SEC tournament logo on the floor and you're like you know okay that's different that's i've been to a lot of conference tournaments and this is my first hologram uh and then you know you get in your room and there's like a little you know pop-up thing i will say so that though the acc tournament when it was in durham when you checked into your room there was a six pack of beer on the on the dresser which was you know like hipster durham beer so that was but it you know i don't know hologram or six pack of beer i guess it's different different strokes for different folks but Uh, you can't beat Hoover. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors.
4: Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis, which could lead to psoriatic arthritis. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest,
0: but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way.
2: Hey, let's do this, boys. Let's do a player. Um, I'm going to pick a player for
0: you. So usually the way I would ask this question, I'd say, I want you to give me a player that has impacted you as a coach, you know, like where maybe this player um, forced you to um, think about things that you really believe in, or, you know, just the journey of this player is something you'll never forget. So I'm going to force you to pick a player, like I'm going to pick a player for you, but then I'm also going to, you could pick a second player if you wanted. Um, Because you guys have two very obvious players like, you know, for you, Chuck, it's going to be Wyatt Langford just because he goes from four at bats to, you know, he's in triple A this year, right? Like he he's the fourth pick in the draft after getting four at bats his freshman year. You know, for you, Matt, it's going to be Kevin Copps because his experience is so unique. But again, feel free to, um, you know, tag uh, piggyback a, a second player on there. But yeah, just like just what it was like to coach a player like that that had such a unique journey. Go ahead, Coach Hobbs
3: uh kevin's is i mean pretty well documented but an unbelievable story just because of where he had to come from coming from you know an injury coming from a walk-on to an injury to you know being okay then relative obscurity to the golden spikes award i mean i don't know that that's that's like a movie script um it is and honestly like somebody should I don't know that anyone would be interested in college, like a movie about like somebody should do something about that. I yeah. SEC like
0: storied. What are we doing? What are we, are we like, maybe they're waiting for him to get to the big leagues or something. It'll be,
3: know. it's one of the great stories of all time. If you just really dig your teeth into it, it's an unbelievable story. I actually just saw him. I was at a wedding for one of our other players. I was just with him two nights ago. Um, but like he changed, he, ch- he made me believe. I think that's like, I don't know if that sounds hokey or not, but like I'll never say that someone can't do it again. ever because there was plenty of times in 2020 where I was like, Oh my gosh, Kevin, you know, what are we doing here? And, you know, I thought he was going to be done with baseball. If I'm being honest, like I I thought he'd try to sign for a thousand bucks in that shortened draft as a free agent or just quit baseball. And he made me believe in, in him, but that also made me believe in people more than than I probably was at the time, which is like, that's a pretty, that's a pretty strong thing for somebody to impart upon you. Um And he, he like to never give up on people either, like because you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, yep. I guess I could piggyback on Kevin with Evan Taylor. Ooh. Evan is a, you know, he's in his fourth year with us in 2022, the year uh, the Omaha year, the last time we went. And for three years, totally, I think he threw a total of like 10 innings. And it was it wasn't the same situation as Kevin, but there was parallels to it where Evan was up and down, threw hard, but couldn't throw strikes. And then, you know, changed his arm angle and went away to summer ball and was on the verge of getting cut, like, every week. (laughs) It seemed like. And he just persevered, man. And and I don't think that Evan happens if it wasn't for Kevin, I guess. Like, Kevin doing what he did, like, made us all believe, like, this could happen. And then Evan Taylor kind of does, it wasn't the same, but something similar to it the next year And ends up being like an eighth or ninth round draft pick. And he was an all star in single A this year. And he's in the Arizona Fall League right now. Like this guy, this guy was going to be cut from the team on multiple occasions. And he just kept on, he just kept his head down and worked. And it changes you as a coach when you start to see that it's okay to have belief in people that maybe you look at and you think they probably can't do it. Right. But they don't stop and they don't quit. And there's just, there's no, there's nothing but fight in those guys. And it might not look like it every day, but when you look at the totality of both careers at, at the university of Arkansas, fighters, yep. just absolute fighters. And you know, they like, Kevin's in AAA right now with the Padres. And like I said, Evans in the fall league. And these are guys that were done like dead and buried on the cutting room floor. Like you weren't going to see, you weren't ever going to hear from them again. And, you know, I hope they both play in the big leagues and have 15 year careers, but, what they've had to go through and what they've had to do to get to where they are is going to make them successful for, for as long as they're, as long as they're around, they're going to be successful at something. And yeah, yeah, I think a good way to say it is they just change your perspective on, on people, but they also change your perspective as a coach.
0: Yeah. Hey, let me ask you a follow-up question on, on Kevin cops, because you know, it is like, he literally is asking you guys if he should go get a regular job and then like, 10 months later he's the best he's literally given the heisman trophy for college baseball was yeah. there like an inner squad that fall where like he just mauls your hitters and you guys are like okay or, or was it more gradual like he's yeah was, was, was there like an inner squad where it's like holy heck like the, no yeah. one is making contact or was it more gradual that fall of 2020
3: So it was both. It was really gradual. And as the pitching people you know, we're looking at every, you know, we're looking at what we look at. We're looking at the numbers. We're looking at the track man stuff. We're looking at video. We're looking at everything that we can to try to help the guys get better. And as long, along the way, you're looking at like, wow, Kevin, just this is way different than what he was a year ago, or even when he was at his best in 19, this is a lot different in terms of movement on the pitches and velocity of the pitches and consistency in the zone with the pitches and how he would bounce back. He's like, he's feeling a lot better. And he was starting to throw a two seam fastball instead of a four seam fastball. And he was starting to pitch more comfortably. And then Christian Franklin, who was our center fielder that year, um, in 21, I remember talking to him in his last at bat against Kevin and before the fall, like right before the fall world series. And he's like, I can't hit that. And I was like, what can't hit what? And he's like that, that, that slider thing he threw, I can't hit it. I can't see it. And, I just remember thinking like Christian Franklin is a really good player. Yes. Like he's the, you know like a third rounder and, you know, doing whatever he's doing in pro bowl with the Cubs I think he's in double A. And it was like, if that guy can't hit it, then it's probably going to be hard for other people in our league to hit it. So it was both. It was like gradual. We could see him getting better. He could feel himself getting better. But there was a day when I remember sitting there like, God, this guy's really good. Yep.
0: Well, that's awesome. All right. So Chuck, it's gonna be same drill. So you're gonna start with Wyatt, go wherever you want. And again, just for context, like Wyatt Langford's like, you know, he's he got to triple A in five minutes. And he, you know, if it's a different year, he he's probably SEC player of the year and the first pick in the draft and the Golden Spikes Award winner, you know, like just a weird year where you've got Skeens and Cruz and Langford. But yeah, you were there the whole time for Wyatt Langford. Love to hear about his journey.
1: Came in As like a corner guy catcher, Um, all four of his at bats his freshman year came from running from the bullpen. Right, so it's like (laughs) (laughs) fall down, get Wyatt. Where it's late in the game. Now his fall, he had a good fall as a freshman. I mean, I think he probably hit like two forty something, but he started off the fall really good, and he ended up being like our four behind the plate, moving between some third and some first. And we had an older club, right? Like that was the year after COVID. So we had a bunch of guys that that ended up coming back that normally we don't have older clubs at Florida, right? So it ended up turning into four at-bats. He worked like like all the guys do and went off and played in Charlottesville, had a good summer. And then the next year, the beginning of that fall, like Wyatt's starting to come along and we have no idea where he's going to play. Like literally we have to find a way to get this dude in the lineup. And we kept saying, you know, he is running good now. He always ran good, but he, he's now running better than good. And he was still catching pins that fall. You know, and as a, as kind of the year progresses, Sully goes, you know, we just need to see him get to a couple of good fastballs. Like, well, we see him every day, get a good fastballs. And then he turned Sproad around like a week and a half before the season started, turned 100 around with the first pitch he saw that, that night in the inner squad, he's like, yeah, he could definitely get two good fastball now. So he started opening night. Um, and I think we hit him like seventh or eighth opening night. And we played Liberty, who was really good. He took yeah. Adamitz through a first pitch change. He took it out of the yard. And uh, the next day we were talking about the lineup. So I was like, you know, I think, what do you think about moving him to fourth? I was like, well, we're like, we're a game into this thing. Um, so I think he hit seventh or sixth the next day. And we lost that game. So I think he hit fourth, the third game of the season. Um, But Wyatt's, I mean, he's, he's your hardest worker. He's the toughest player I've ever been around. He's the stories of Kobe Bryant, right? Like he would go to the gym first and he would shoot and shoot and shoot. And then the guy would come to the gym and Kobe would still be there, making sure that guy knew he was still shooting when that guy left. Wyatt would hit more in the cage than all of our guys. And he'd do it in early work. He would do it before that. And he'd also hit last. So, like, every day our early work would finish and Wyatt's jumping in all three cages and would finish, take three swings before, after everybody else was done, and then jump out. Right? But he went through something last year, like, I've never seen anybody do. It's like, why it's supposed to be a really high pick, supposed to go first, top two, three, four, five picks, whatever, in the draft going into the season. He really didn't come from a whole lot, man. Right? So, like, the pressure of that, I can only imagine. But why it got hurt. He got a right-on-right change and fouled it off of an area that we don't like to talk about. Oh, man. And he's sitting there, like, with his hands on his knees in the dugout Um, is kind of running bow-legged out to the outfields. like, "Sully, we need to get him out of the game, man. He is not right. And the doc said he was okay. And then we ended up deciding to take him out um, and find out that he had a, a pretty significant injury that had to get treated. And he ended up having surgery that night. Um, wow does not play opening weekend against Alabama in the league. And then we're practicing Thursday night after we played Florida state at Ole miss. And he's like jogging and a couple of the players like, you know, he's going to play this weekend. So there's no way we are like two weeks out. There's no way. Doctor said probably four to six. You know why it's supposed to be a high pick. Usually those guys are, I'm going to wait until I'm a hundred percent. I've gotten all my swings in. I'm a hundred percent ready to go and put up numbers and, and help our team when I'm a hundred percent ready to go. And he DH'd Friday night at, against Ole Miss. I think he ended up going up top. He hit a, hit a bomb to his backside that night, and it just kind of it took him a couple of weeks. He didn't slide for a month, right? Like he did not slide feet first until we were at Tennessee, and everybody kind of went crazy. But he's the toughest dude I've ever been around. And when your best player acts that way, I'm, I'm sure Dylan Cruz is a really good kid and really good player. But I'm 100% partial to my guy. Yeah. Right? Of just seeing the way this guy goes through it every single day. He's on the taxi squad right now for Texas. Right. And what he's done to the minor league side, but this dude, what he would show every day, day in and day out, like that's the example that you want for, for the rest of your club. Right. And he carries on the right. When he says something, everybody follows, right? Like it's easy to say, work hard. It'll end up working out. Like this dude went from four at bats, man. And ended up signing for $8 million. And he'll probably be in the big leagues pretty, pretty early next year unless something happens this year. That's you know, nice. but special kid, man, no doubt. Local kid from down here. He's from Trenton. but And then the other player for me, there's no doubt, would be Josh Rivera. Yeah. Right? Shortstop. He came to see, didn't play shortstop before he got here. Um, he played third base at IMG. They had Reese Hines, who was a high pick. And just his growth and maturity on the field – off the field just he completely grew man and he up leading our team every day you know from the kid he was before he got here and then what he did for us last year he's the heart and soul of our team man you know he's he was he a voice we had kind of leaders at different levels on our club last year we had leaders on the mound we had leader in, in the outfield, why and then bt was an unbelievable leader behind the plate but but josh did run the show on the field every single day just watching him grow over his four years he's another guy didn't come from a whole lot, man, but to where he finished now and he's leaving with a degree and he ended up being a really good student. It's a really good story
2: for sure.
0: So great. Yeah. Josh Rivera is, I was going to ask you, I was going to force him on you too, but it's like, I saw him get like MVP of the Jupiter, you know, WWBA thing, which is like, you know, amazing. And then you guys are so good in 2020 and he's playing shortstop every day as a freshman. You're like, you know, okay, it's just going to be a rocket ship. And then, he's literally like downtrending for two years and I might be being a little rough on him there. And then, you know, watching you guys play last year and this is like Wyatt Langford didn't have access to every game the way Josh did, because he's either, you know, he's hurt. And then if you're playing against you guys, like Wyatt Langford's the scariest guy. Right. So, and, and he's playing left field, Josh is playing center f- or shortstop. But to me, like there were so many times I watched you guys play and, Josh Rivera felt like the best player on the entire field, both teams, like just taking over games a million different ways. He was, what What a year. That was so cool. No doubt, man. Got to love it. All right. So let's do this. So I'm going to, I want to take you guys to super regionals. So kind of same thing. Like I want a super regional memory or feeling or vibe. I just think um, we'll get to Omaha in a second, but super regionals are so unique in our sport because I got the coach in one. And I remember like not being able to breathe for the whole weekend. I remember my wife not breathing well the entire weekend. Like it was just, you know, you're an assistant coach. You feel like if you win this, your resume has just like changed completely. You feel like if you lose this, everything you've been obsessing about for the last five years, it, you know, what was the point of all that? I'm being a little dramatic, of course, but that's that's where my head was. Um, so anyway, yeah, just like, you know, obviously, Coach Hobbs, you've you've been in a bunch of them. Uh, you know, Chuck, you were in an epic one this year. But any, you go first, Matt. Like like a, a super regional
3: vibe, memory feeling. Um, the, the the best one I can remember, just like the feeling when you know you're going to win it. Like that's the greatest feeling ever, and you can kind of and you don't coast to the finish line because it's baseball and weird things can happen. But in uh, in 19, uh, we're in game three against Ole Miss at our place and Heston Kerstad leads off like the fifth of the sixth inning and hits a ball like across the street. And it makes it like 10 to one. And it's like, you could see the air went out of their dugout. And I was like, this thing is over. And that feeling for like the next three innings, like you're still stressed out. And I was until we put Cronin in the game at the end and you're like, all right, this is definitely over. We're up like 16 to two, but like that feeling when it when the ball when that ball left the yard, I was like, "We are going, we're going to Omaha," and this first time I'd ever been because we had the the deal at Florida in seventeen where I thought we had a chance to like that team was really good with Wake, and I remember laying on the ground in my closet before game three at my house, and my wife was like, "Hey, you gotta like." The kids are, you got to say goodbye to the kids before you go. I was like, I, I can't, we, we can't lose this game. <laughs> like, we cannot lose this game. We have to win this game. That's how I felt though. I felt like you're talking about, it. like I had never been, before. I'd never been to Omaha before. Yeah. That was the first time in 19. And when Heston hit that ball, it was like all the like stress left my body for a second. And then it comes back because you're the pitching coach, and you're like, this would be a worse story if this was the most epic failure in, in base, college baseball history. But that was, like, the greatest feeling. It's the, it's, the, it's the greatest feeling. that it's. I've never won the College World Series, obviously, uh, but I've been to it, and I've won games there. And that feeling when that last out's recorded in the Super Regional is, like, unmatched. Because hmm. you, you it's like, not, you don't know who you're playing yet. You don't know when you're leaving for Omaha. you don't know anything other than you're going, and like the look on the players' faces and the like being around your staff after it's all over and you did it. it's like that feeling like you cannot beat that i mean we had we were eating dinner in 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 twenty two in Chapel Hill, just the coaches like after the thing was over, we finished so late, it was like there's one thing open and we're just all there with our families, and you're just sitting back like this is the greatest thing ever. Mm. It's such a like getting there is so hard. I mean, everybody who's coaches knows how hard it is, but those feelings like, I mean, you're asking for like one moment, but like anytime that you, the last out is recorded in the super regional, you know, you're going, you can't even, I don't know, have words to describe it. Yeah. It's because, because again, like all of us that have followed college baseball,
0: it's amazing how some of the greatest teams in the history of our sport didn't go. I mean, yeah. like you just run through the list 2008 Arizona state 2013 yeah. Vandy, you know, your 2021 team, Tennessee's yeah. 2022 team. I mean, just, it's, um, it's remarkable. The
3: other side of it is just as like, is, is like, get, like Chuck's been in these two. It's like gut wrenching when you don't oh. go and you think you should. Oh
0: yeah. That, that is like, I'll, I'll be in therapy for
1: life over that. Like goodness. Uh, go ahead, Chuck. Same question. Well, this year was weird, man. Uh, We had a child two days before the super. So I was watching it. We scheduled actually the birth of the baby for two different dates. Um, My wife was going to have a C-section, a a planned C-section on either Monday or Wednesday, depending on how our regional went. And we were hoping we'd roll through the regional, hopefully have a baby on a Monday. And that obviously didn't, that wasn't planned. So, Texas Tech ended up beating us. We ended up having to go to five. Um, so the baby was born on Wednesday. So I was watching Synergy that night from the hospital as well as Thursday for practice. And then rolled out with not a ton of sleep uh, for our first Super Regional on Friday. It was incredible. And then the first at-bat of the game, um, McGinnis takes Sproat deep. He had the about like 400 feet, 450 feet to left. So it's like, this is a wake-up call pretty quick. And Sprout was not sharp early on. It took him a little bit to kind of settle in. And then once he gets rolling and he's throwing all four for strikes, man, it, it, it can be a freight train at times. And then once we got through fr- the first game, we ended up winning that game, kind of had a feeling that if Hurst could come out quickly, like he has a tendency of being able to, that they were going to have a hard time. You know, I mean, when Waldrop's on, man, and, and the split was going – Honestly, it's really hard to handle. Mm-hmm. And the feeling that we had at our place and, you know, our, our guys, we, we have like a couple group text messages like all of us do, right? But I'll never forget a text message from, from Tucker Talbot that he sent in the group. Just said like, I have no doubt in my mind that we're going to win the next game. You know, and just the feeling that, that we had and the confidence we had going into that game and knowing we had Hearst on the mound, that if he came out the gates good, and and kind of like what Hobbs was saying, once you get to a spot, you kind of you don't feel like you're you're definitely going, but you definitely could tell that the path is there, and it kind of stares you right in the face. Like, holy cow, man! Like this journey that we've gone through, it, it's right there, you know. And right now, at this point in time, we don't feel like there's anything that can stop us. And like, as close as you feel to that group, like in that moment, your staff and and the players and everything, there's not a whole lot that can top like that actual feeling other than the birth of your child. <laughs> right. Well, so a good disclaimer, but, but yeah, no doubt, man. It was, it's pretty cool, man. You know, And just seeing it coming down the pipe when you're in like the seventh or eighth and, and you yeah. feel really comfortable in that spot. And obviously all of us have had their, your heart tripped out of your chest at different points of time, but just that feeling. And then, and then I mean, nobody leaves the field mm-hmm. after the game. I mean, I, I think our game ended at like four o'clock and it was well past 10 by the time everybody was leaving the ballpark. It's yeah. awesome. We <laughs> had that happen
3: we, on the road too, though. It's like we won the in Chapel Hill in 22 and we, we beat them there. It's like, we were on that field for like three hours. Cause you don't want to go, you don't, you don't want it to be over. Oh, no. Like It's almost like you don't want to go to the next thing <laughs> as much as you have to, yep. to get ready for Omaha. It's like, this was the, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to a lot of these kids. And it's like, you want to give it to them, like, let them feel it. You know, it's like, I get like goosebumps talking about it just because, you know, the, the journey takes, it takes everything out of you, especially in like, and there's not, it's not like other leagues are just like easy or something. Like they're all good leagues, but the 30 game SEC season is so hard. Like the total gauntlet. And then you get to the end of that. And then you're in a regional with champions and you're playing in like whatever regional you're in, hopefully you're at home. But if you have to go on the road, that's a, that's a bear. And then you finally get to the end and it's like Chuck saying like, you don't want to go anywhere. Like you just want to sit there and enjoy it. Yeah.
0: Well, and at the end too, you're playing like both of you guys had this experience. Like you're, I had that, that we did a Sunday night conversation a few weeks ago with the guys that were part of the 2013 Kansas state team mm-hmm. that won the big 12 out of nowhere. And, you know, almost took Oregon state down like Mike Conforto Oregon state down in, in Corvallis and Blair Deboard, Who's, in, you know, he's at Mizzou now. And, you know, he's, he's a future power five athletic director, power four, whatever it's going to be. And Blair said, it's like, you look around in these super regionals, you're like, man, like everybody's at the height of their powers. Like there's mm-hmm. all these great players playing like on un- out of their minds. So, oh it's so good. Hey, let's wrap with this boys. The, um, so obviously the sec has been very dominant in Omaha and, you know, like you said, coach Hobbs, there's a lot of good teams there. And I don't, I don't want to ever portray it as if there's, you know, the only good teams in Omaha are the sec teams. That's not the case, but the sec teams are performing at a very high level in, in the college world series And I have a very amateur observation, and that is that because of the gauntlet that is the SEC and the crowds and the facilities you all play in, SEC players look very comfortable at Charles Schwab Field. They look very comfortable in that environment. Now, again, like I'm guessing when I say that, and I don't want to force you guys into that conversation necessarily unless you want to, but same thing, I'm looking for a vibe or a moment or a memory from when you've been to the College World Series, uh, you know, something that really is top of mind for you. Go ahead, Coach Hobbs.
3: Um, I think to your point, like, the preparation of playing in front of a lot of big crowds, like, I mean, you can say what you want about the, the league, but the biggest crowds are in the SEC. No doubt. Like, just that's that's fact. I mean, that's not me saying the league's better than other anything. It's just there's bigger crowds. So yeah, I think that our guys are pretty comfortable. Like I look at like huge environments that I've seen freshmen like Hagen Smith in the Stillwater Regional when there's six thousand people and he becomes Hagen Smith, you know, he's like now he's different because he did that in front of those that amount of people, but he'd been doing that all year. And the same kid, you know, Hagen, is in an elimination game against Old Miss in, in Omaha as a freshman, and he goes like five innings and strikes out like nine or 10 guys and has an unbelievable outing. And he wasn't phased by the environment at all. And he's a different bird in terms of just like, he's, he's, he doesn't seem to get phased by a lot, but pitching in all those environments got him ready. It hardens you. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you say. Like you can make the arguments. You can post all the numbers you want about which league's better than which league. And, they're all valid, and they're all good teams. I've coached in all of those leagues, except for the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. But the, the Big 12, the ACC, the SEC, I've coached in all those leagues. And the environments and the crowds in the SEC are just different than the other leagues. That's the fact. And it gets those kids ready. Like, our, our kids, I feel like, are, are and maybe not more prepared than others, but they're ready when they go into those big environments because that's what they see all the time. Mm-hmm. So whether it's at our place or going to down to Florida, you know, their crazy environment, or Mississippi State or Ole Miss, I mean, you go down to the South Carolina. You could just keep on going down the list of these places that it's it's hostile, not in a bad way, but it's just hostile. It's hostility. You're on the road. Everybody wants you to lose, and that that hardens you up, man. It, it makes it, it because you've been through it before. It helps you when those environments get huge.
0: Yep. Well said, Chuck, same thing, go anywhere you want, but something, you know, an observation, a memory, a thought on, on being in Omaha.
1: Well, I mean, with what Hobbs said, I think he's right, but I think there's like layers to this thing, right? Like as right away, as a freshman, you go through your first game, then your first road game, then your first SEC game, then your first SEC road game, then your first tourney game, then your 1st postseason game, and then your first game in Omaha. Right. And I think what he's saying, like the environments that we play in day in and day out, we're not having to go from skip three hurdles and go play at Omaha. Right. Like we don't we, we get those environments. And I think every one the guys do have to overcome. Right. Like I think they do have to realize how to slow themselves down when you're playing in Charles Schwab. I think you do have to realize how to relax when you're staring down the barrel of, of your season potentially being over. Right. Like that's a tough one, man. That's a really tough one and when you're seeing that in Omaha that's and there's 20,000 people there that that's definitely a tough one. But the moment this year that's easy was when Wyatt hit the ball against Virginia. Hmm. Right? Like Wyatt hit the homer against Virginia tied up. I think it was the furthest ball I ever hit in the stadium. Um and we had kind of fought back. We hit a bunch of balls really hard. Yard was really, playing really big that night. Um hit a bunch of balls to the track. You know, but we ended up breaking through and that homer it kind of allowed all of our guys to kind of, as a group, take a deep breath and then just go play baseball, you know, because you had to get through that one piece to just go play baseball. It's the same deal. When you first go on the road, you have to get through and the first road games in the sec, you got to get through that first one, just to be able to go play baseball and relax.
0: That's good stuff. Gosh. And it just, it's funny. A couple weeks ago, I had Ryan Fulmer on here and we were, we were going through Oral Roberts season and just, you know, it, That time of year is so fun in our sport because, you know, like I think about what you just described, Matt, about the Stillwater Regional, and, you know, we're watching that during squeeze play, and we're like, you know, I don't care if these games are seven hours long. Like, this is unbelievable. Now, how you guys, you know, I I don't know how you guys didn't have heart paddles for yourselves in the dugout. Like,
3: those games were unbelievable, but. Yeah, everybody talked about how great a regional that was. (laughs) Unless you're a pitching coach at that right. regional, every time a yeah. ball went up in the air, it's like that's wh- And then they got Nolan McLean hitting balls like 800 feet. Like, I think Riggio went over the batter's eye against us to dead center. It's just like these balls are flying out of this place. And every time a ball went up in the air, it's just like, oh, man. you know, what's going to happen next?
0: Didn't Hagen Smith strike out Rock Riggio at the end of that regional? And, like, that was one of those all-time that was the moment. great at-bats. It was, like, yeah.
3: for him for, – for I don't know what it was for them. But I just know that, like, I was, we were in the dugout. Vermillion – Zebulon Vermillion's in the game. And he's throwing strikes. So, I'm like, let's stay with him just because he's throwing strikes. They're bound to hit it at somebody. Right. And Coach Van Horn's like, I want Smith right now. And I remember just standing there and I've told this story to Hagan and all the rest of them too. I was like, I don't know, man, he wasn't really good last time he pitched, <laughs> like, <laughs> but coach Van Horn, we, 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 we talked about it in the morning of that day. Like Hagan's got the best stuff on the team. He's going to pitch in a big moment. And coach Van Horn's like, Hey, you said it. It's a bit, this is the moment. And I was like, I guess put him in. <laughs> oh, that's great. And I think he like hit the first guy in the shin or something and it didn't start good. And then, he's getting this is like at bat with Riggio and it's like six or seven and eight pitch at bat or something. He found balls off and he finally just, and it's all fastballs because he it wasn't, he didn't like, I don't, I don't think he trusted his breaking ball at that time. So it's all heaters and Riggio just been killing us. And he goes top of the zone fastball up and away at Riggio to punch him out. And it was like the place, our fans went crazy. And then the air went out of their dugout. And I think we might've doubled in the next inning to score two or something. And it was like, this thing's over. Yep. And that was his moment, though. And it's like, those are the things like that change careers. Yeah. Like oh. moments like that, that one moment, like that one thing that just changed everything for him. And and it's like, it happens for every team.
0: Yep. Yeah. No, no, no doubt about it. Gentlemen, this was so fun. Gosh, I could keep you another hour. I'm not going to do that. Um, the, one hour is the perfect time. It, these conversations always go. Uh, it feels like we, we talk for 50 seconds. The times goes, it goes so fast, but really good stuff. I knew, I knew, um, I knew you guys would be great. I knew you'd have some incredible stuff to share. So really, really appreciate this. Um, let me say thanks to our, our friends at Netting Pros who who allow us to put this on. Really appreciate their partnership. Um, we'll be back here next Sunday. We got some really cool stuff coming up. Next week is uh, Mitch Gaspard and Tim Jameson, two guys that are, coaching now as assistant coaches have our former sec head coaches two of the best people in our sport on top of it tom holiday is going to be a guest in a few weeks uh, i'm calling the holidays the first family of american baseball right now you've got tom took a team to omaha josh took a team to omaha matt made pretty good money in the big leagues now uh jackson is the number one prospect in all of baseball ethan holiday is the number one prospect in the class of 2025 so um, you know and, and th was just some old guy from western pa and next thing oh uh, that's a pretty good uh patriarch so anyway uh that is it everybody have a great week uh we will catch you next time on sunday night conversations and we will talk to you soon take care
4: hi i'm cindy lopper my scalp was covered with psoriasis which could lead to psoriatic arthritis but Cosentyx treats both Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest,
0: but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.